The clock is now running on the Playbook Podcast, the podcast where you take a deeper dive into the game of business, leadership, teamwork, character, the things that drive your motivation and build dedication. When you get a good look at the game plan of great business leaders, you start to formulate your own playbook and your own rise to the top. Make your next play your best play. And now, here are today's game captains, Glenn Amorell and Andy Phillips. Let's go! Welcome back to the Playbook Podcast. I'm Andy Phillips. Joining me, as always, is my partner, Glenn Amorell. Glenn, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Andy. How you doing today? Doing good, doing good. I'm. Uh, we got a great guest today that we uh, seem to be making weekly uh, conversations with now, it seems like, which is good for us. So I'm going to let you go ahead and bring him in so we can get as much information as we can. Awesome. Well, uh, today we've got uh, Charlie uh, Sturm from uh, Socius Insurance. Um, and Charlie specializes in management, professional employment practices, and cyber and privacy liability. So he's a uh, He's an expert that really comes in handy for us. So uh, welcome to the show, Charlie. Um, you know, we're going to have a good conversation today and try not to scare people too much. So <laughs> well, thank you for having, thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited to be on and talk about cyber liability. Awesome. Well, that's great. Well, I'm going to k- kick things off here. And, and one of the things that, um, you know, we've talked about so much, it's probably getting a little annoying, but it's so, so important. And that's um, cyber liability. And what I want to ask you is, um, you know, we deal with a lot of carriers that will throw in, uh, we call it a throw in um, cyber liability in their policy. And how dangerous is that to think as a, as a business owner that you're covered for any, uh, you know, cyber, cyber event? If, if you believe that a small throw in sublimit on a, another package policy you get is proper protection, then you're being horribly and severely misled mm-hmm. and fr- from whoever the underwriter is or whatever they're telling you. That will, um, you know, it's like getting property coverage and only insuring the front door of your house. If the whole thing burns down, they're like, okay, we'll replace yeah. your front door, but everything else y- you don't have. Right. Um, and I think that, I think the, the big thing that you want to think about, especially with cyber liability, is that it's much different from all the other claims that you see out there. From a, a GL standpoint, um, from a slip and fall, uh, if a property, if, if, let's say you have a property and you have a slip and fall and somebody comes on your, your front doorstep, they slip, they fall. The only claim that you're dealing with is just a bodily injury claim from the slip and fall. With cyber liability, when a breach occurs, there's a lot of things that trigger at the exact same time um, that, you, that you don't necessarily think about. So the breach happens, well, your business is shut down because you can't access any of your files. So you have a business interruption cause. Then you have a bad actor that's probably holding your system for ransomware. So now you have negotiations um, with the bad actor and potentially ransomware payments that you have to make. Then you have forensics that have to come in and look at your system to see what data has been infiltrated. Then you have to send out notification calls to all of your customers to notify them that their information has been potentially breached. And that's all before the third-party liability lawsuits come in where people are suing you because you did because they suffered a financial loss, identity theft, whatever it may be, because of your data breach. So when you take all of that into factor, if you think that one small supplement is going to cover you for all of that, then you're being horribly misled. Yeah, and I just had a um, a carrier that had like a 500,000. So you think, wow, I'm in a good place. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely is an illusion. And a lot of those supplements only cover 
one piece right. of what I just said. It doesn't cover everything. It's only going to cover you for a lot of times it's only third party lawsuits. So the first things I said, the business interruption, the, notifica- the notification cost, the credit monitoring, where they offer monitoring of your client's credit to see if there's a new bank account that's open, a fraudulent um, inquiry on your credit. You know, they, they offer all these services. And a lot of that coverage is in a true cyber policy, but it's not in those supplements that you get thrown on your policies. Every- Every time I talk about cyber, I learn something that just stands out more. And with you, it's the notification costs. It's just something you wouldn't think about, but it's not cheap. And uh, you, tell me if you're wrong, you've told us this in the past, I think, what, $150 roughly? Yeah, between per, 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 per notified individual. Because right. it's, not just, it's not just the notification costs, but it's also the credit monitoring that you have to do on the back end for those individuals. Right. Where you have to just monitor and make sure that no one's opened up a bank account in their name. It's um, or, yeah. And, and, and it's not notifications are not something that you can just skirt by and not do. There's state laws that require companies that have a breach to notify individuals. So if, if you have a breach and you don't notify people, it's a criminal act mm-hmm. in terms of state law. Right. It's, it's not just suggested. It's you must do this. Exactly. Which is crazy. And then um, uh, something I think um, that you mentioned before, or, or somebody did, I don't know who it was, but uh, having a s- standalone cyber liability policy is like having 911. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because if you get get hacked in a ransomware, what do you do? Who do you go to, right, if you don't have experts in the field to handle that, that situation? and uh, help protect you? I mean, a, a hack is in itself a crime. It's a, it's a criminal that is stealing and holding your information right for ransom. If someone broke into your house and stole your TV, you call the police and you have an outlet to call and they know how to handle it. They know how to investigate it and hopefully get you your TV back. If you don't have a cyber policy, who are you going to call? <laughs> you right. know, like, how are you going to handle that? How are you going to know how, how to properly notify people? How are you going to handle the, the crisis management of it to notify your clients so that not everybody starts suing you all at once? You know, how do you deal or negotiate with a bad actor? Do you have a Bitcoin account that you've opened up to pay these guys? You know, how do you do all of that? Right. And, uh, and so just from the sheer, um, not necessarily the, the financial reimbursement aspect of a, an insurance policy where you get your money back, but just the headache that you can pass off to somebody else is huge. Right. Where would you, what would you say to somebody? Cause I think at least from what I've dealt with, a lot of people, when it comes to cyber, a lot of people don't think they'll be affected. They don't think that they're at as big of a risk as maybe other companies. And obviously those people aren't going to know until it happens and then it's too late. So if you had to, what would you tell people who say, you know what, Charlie, I don't think we're a prime candidate for cyber because we don't have that big of a risk. Typically, they're probably thinking very basic, like we don't keep a lot of our information on computers. You know what I mean? So what would you say to those people that don't think they necessarily have as big of a risk or as high of a risk to get cyber attacked? What would you tell them to be like, you actually still do. It just might not be in the simpler way that you're thinking. Sure. Well, so let me answer that in, in kind of two different ways. 
the the first is a lot of people think they're too small to get hacked, right? I, I right. think a lot of companies genuinely believe I'm a small mom and pop shop. No, no bad actor is going to want to come after me. Right. And what we're finding in the marketplace is that the manpower and time that it takes to hack a Fortune 500 company is not worth the effort than it is to hack a small mom and pop shop. So what we're finding is that bad actors, they can get into these small mom and pop shops really easily. And they can there's get, a sound bite. They, they, yeah. They, yeah, they can get a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars out of these guys and then just move on to the next one. It's easy for them to hack small and pop, small mom and, and they pop probably shop. don't have the securities in place. So it's not only it's exactly easier it. to do, it's probably easier to get away with it. They can walk through the front door. Um, and, and so they're going after these small, medium-sized enterprises, which, and it's crazy because you don't hear a lot about that in the news because $200,000 claims don't really make the news from a cyber standpoint. However, the carriers are terrified of it. Um, the carriers are getting popped left and right for this. So these small to medium-sized enterprises, which is usually 10 to a hundred million and less in revenue, um, they're the ones that are, are most susceptible right now because hackers are realizing how easy it is to get into. I mean, obviously, if you can get into, um, you know, the DNC or Home Depot or Target or PF Chang's or one of the big ones that, that we've seen, that's a huge win. Right. But it can take years to get into there where these small mom and pop shops, you can wake up on, um, you know, a, a Tuesday and, and get in and hack their system. And all of a sudden, by the week's end, you got $100,000 worth of Bitcoin in your bank account. It, right. It's that's almost so kind of like a cyber mafia. You know, they have mm-hmm. a code of ethics. So if they have ransomware, you pay your ransomware, they release your stuff, right? So because they know that if they don't, then nobody will ever, you know, so it's it's really, it's a way to, to flee small businesses, not unlike uh, going door to door, getting the uh, protection payments, you know? And, and large companies, a lot of their information is stored in offline backups and data warehouses. So if they were hacked and someone holds their system for ransom, well, they can just take their backups that they're doing on a minute-by-minute basis. Like these huge companies are backing up their systems mm-hmm. all the time. They can bring them back online and not skip a beat. Right. Small businesses, you know, they may do monthly backups. You know, they may not have that information readily available, so they have to negotiate with these bad actors. Um, and that's and that's what that's what they're seeing. And then to your side, and then your second point, which is people that think that they don't have their information available um or if they don't think that they have stored in computers x y and z the definition of pii which is personally identifiable information has gotten so broad recently and cyber is on the forefront of um claims or you know claims and um government entities are looking into it from regulatory uh side of things that i think that people have more information in their system that they realize emails that they're that email list that they have stored in microsoft office names addresses all that information is pii so you may not think that you have files stored in your system but how are you communicating with your customers if you're communicating via email well if you have a breach that may still trigger depending on the state may still trigger a need to notify all the individuals and again we're talking about a hundred bucks per notified individual and if you have um a thousand let's just say a thousand contacts that's a hundred thousand dollars you can buy a cyber policy like for yeah like that and that's, that's nothing the, else that is going to have to be covered too 
exactly. paid out. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, when you think about it from that standpoint, you can buy a side policy for 1500 bucks, $2,000. And, and you could literally buy that cyber policy for years and have one claim and make your money back. Yep. Yeah. Now, um, you know, one of the things that we do in, in risk management, you know, is okay. you know, <clears throat> with work comp, we have safety committees, all those things. How important do you think it is for a company not only to have a standalone cyber policy, but also have work with a cybersecurity firm to, to make sure that they have all the um, procedures, firewalls, and all those things in place? I mean, I, I tell people that having a cyber liability, well, but, so you're talking about like an IT security firm that, that's monitoring their um, information and their systems from potential bad actors. Yeah, and and actually, like coming in doing a cyber assessment, mm-hmm. uh, maybe monthly do phishing attempts, things like that, to make sure that it's at at the forefront of your mind. Because I think um, employees, I mean, they get lazy. I mean, we oh, all get yeah. lazy, and I'm, we fall for something stupid. We, you know, send money to somebody that we shouldn't send money to, or get Amazon gift cards. Pick up the gift cards. I, yeah, yeah. I would I would say, um, and I actually do tell people this. Having a security, IT security team is the new sprinkler systems for buildings, right? Buildings had these exposures with fires and whatnot, and they said, okay, now we need to have every building needs to have a sprinkler system in to prevent fires and pretend, you know, prevent catastrophic losses. Your security person is your new sprinkler system. Charlie, you, you are a soundbite machine. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is great. <laughs> You know, you need it. You need you need yes. to have you need to have it. You need to have the monitoring your system. I mean, cyber liabilities at the forefront of claims. They're paying out huge losses, right? And, you need, and and it all could have been prevented if you just had one security person that was looking at your system, monitoring, um, you know, potential attacks, running phishing exercises, making sure your employees are aware of it, um, and, and, and getting putting risk management procedures on the front end to prevent, you know, cash out loss in the back end. And I got, we got to get to halftime, but I have a really good question for the second half. So anyways, I'm, that's a tease in the business. Okay. So oh, wow. let's get to a <laughs> halftime here. Five questions. Me and Glenn will go every other one. It is simply a, we call it like a speed round. We like explanations to answers though, uh, as well. And it's just peeling back the curtain, letting people know who Charlie Sturm is outside of cyber and uh, if you are ready, we will begin. Fire away. All right. I'm going to start off because I see in your office, it looks like a bunch of framed golf flags. So before I ask my question, do you golf, Charlie? I do golf. Okay. So my question is this. Best round of your life was what? And like everyone who plays golf, good or bad, we always remember the where, what the weather was like and maybe a highlight hole. So I've been lucky enough to play a lot of really cool courses all across the country. My favorite golf course by far none is Spyglass Hills uh, right next to Pebble Beach. Yeah, it is It is absolutely gorgeous. But that's my favorite course. My favorite round was actually last Memorial Day. Um, I'm a member at a local club called Overbrook, and it was Memorial Day. Everyone was going to the pool for the Memorial Day barbecue. Um, we got finished nine holes, and I was with my dad, my two brothers, 
and we were going to play the 10th hole at Overbrook, which is just a short little par three. Um, and my two brother-in-law came and my nephews came. So there's, you know, 15 people on the tee. My whole family's there. Hole in one, my first no. one ever. Yeah. Yeah. Get so I had, a, I had a hole in one for my dad, my brothers, my entire family of my first one. So you had a was, gallery. Uh, exactly. Exactly. So that was very memorable. That is incredible. That is incredible. I'd be, that's where my, uh, I'd be lucky to get the ball off the ground with a gallery. Yeah. <laughs> a three, three other people in a foursome is enough crowd for me. Yeah, ex- exactly. My, and my wife was pretty upset because we were just going to play the one hole and go to the barbecue. Well, then you but, but when you get a hole in one, you got to finish the round. So yep. I had to call her and say, hey, honey, I saw I got to play more golf. That lightning doesn't always strike. So when it strikes, you got to you know ride the hot streak. Exactly. If exactly. I had a hole in one, I'd be playing by myself. Yep, <laughs> for sure. Like after course hours, so yeah, you can't I even one get this them. Big. Yeah, yeah. No, I I have a girlfriend. She lives in Canada, though. You don't know her. She is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Like you had the you you'd accidentally be on the eight inch cup hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So, um, I see you have a water cooler in the background. We're just we're going after yeah. your office right now. Oh, okay. yeah, it's just ripping apart. <laughs> um. What um what would be a good streaming show to talk by the water cooler? Oh man. Um so what would be a good show? I mean, we talk a lot of sports in our office, uh, but from a from a Netflix side of things, we talk about like the the most recent ones are the Tinder Swindler. Oh, um, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh uh, yeah, and then there's oh man, there's another one where it's just these um individuals that are just somehow swindling people it's actually almost cyber it's like social it is social engineer uh it's just getting random people to give you tens of thousands of dollars um and let letting these individuals these bad actors live the high life so yeah tinder swindler is this guy that uh goes on tinder and woos over women and they eventually just start opening up credit cards and giving them a ton of money just so he can live a luxury life so wow yeah this halftime brought to you by the Tinder Swindler. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And, and I like how your shows are also somehow related to work. <laughs> there's, no, there's no time off for Charlie Sturm. <laughs> no, not, not, well, it's, it's funny because I'm watching. I'm like, this is what social engineering is. You know, when, when, when people get accountants, accountants to wire them $100,000, you know, that's what we, co- we cover it. And, uh, and obviously it happens. Just watch the Netflix show. Tindler Swindler, and, and you'll get a good idea what a cyber claim looks like. Awesome. All right. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna stay on course here and I'm gonna go back <laughs> to your office. And I see a mini fridge there, right mm-hmm. over your right shoulder. So my next question is when Charlie Sturm heads to the bar, what's his drink of choice? Oh, an old fashioned. Okay. Do you have yeah. a is there a favorite place around you that makes the best one? Oh, Call him out, yeah. shout him out. Uh, well, I'm in, I live in, well, okay. The best old fashioned in the city of Philadelphia is a place called pub and kitchen. It's on, um, uh, the 20th and Lombard and it is awesome. The bartenders there are great. It's fantastic. fantastic. Uh, in Concha, in Concha the best cocktails are either at Southern cross or Jasper's. All right. There we you'll, go. A couple you'll have to make but, it old fashioned. Yeah. But the best bar scene is boathouse. If you're going to go watch a sports game, yeah, I go to boathouse. In Concha. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. I, my, my favorite one down your guys' way would be Morgan's Pier. Really oh, yeah, like, yeah. I really like Morgan's Pier. But. That's awesome, especially in the summertime. 
Glenn, can you keep the office going? <laughs> can I keep the office going? Um, I don't know, man. That challenge that's is on. Kind of difficult. Um, what I'm going to ask you is, um, um, what is? Um, I see you went to St. Joe's. I did. What is? Um, what is your biggest memory from St. Joe's? Oh, the prep. Um, St. Joe's prep. Yeah, Wearing a uniform. Yeah, I mean, take it. It's actually kind of funny because when I went to I went to Pitt for college, um, and when I went to Pitt for college, the Pitt, the Pitt, yeah, it's Yeah, the Pitt the Pitt Stadium is down where the Steelers play. So you know they have school buses that bus you from the campus down to the stadium. And I remember being like, "Hey, let's just take public transportation. Let's hop on a bus and or, or whatever, and let's go." And I can't believe how many people that don't you know go into the prep. I used to take the train down to the city every day. I take the train, then hop on the two bus up to. Uh, Gerard and then walk walk to school um and the number of people that when I met at Pitt that live in like rural Pennsylvania you just drive everywhere they've never taken public transportation before in their life blew my mind like that was such a foreign concept to them like hopping on a like a bus and just going through the city to get down to the stadiums um so so that's I mean going to the prep and, and going that way definitely taught me a lot about life uh I gotta say my memories. I did win the Catholic League, the Catholic Two League Championship for golf in oh. my senior year, so that was pretty awesome. We'll wow. have to get you in one of our foursomes. Yeah, exactly. You can take my spot and help the team out. <laughs> well, I'm a one year old now, so I don't get out to play too much now nowadays. So, uh, yeah, uh, my handicap might be misleading. <laughs> <laughs> if you never play again, you get to keep the same handicap. Yeah. Exactly. All right, uh, I'm going back to the office. I see you have a picture that looks like it could have fallen. Now it didn't. It clearly just hasn't been hung up yet, but I'm mm-hmm. going to say it's fallen. So I'm going to, this is a stretch for the office. What one movie would you fall on the sword for and say is the best movie of all time? No matter what anyone else says, you'd say it's the best movie of all time. I get, I get a lot of heat for this because oh, good. I know. I thought the question I, was a stretch using the no, office, but I'm thinking no. It's I, I I get a lot of heat for this because I'm not I'm not like a superhero guy. Um, you know, I love Marvel movies. Don't get me wrong, but there's a movie called V for Vendetta. I've heard of it. Which get which is an awesome movie. And it's like a vigilante that's just coming for blood for you know uh, so the government and the whole thing is you know government shouldn't be uh, government people shouldn't be afraid of their government. Government should be afraid of their people um and and it's an awesome movie about a guy that's just you know coming for revenge and so that is my favorite movie of all time when i tell people that they don't believe me you know they expect right. me to say you know shawshank redemption godfather rocky Trevor ryan rocky whatever yeah. it is but yeah it's v for vendetta and Who, uh, who's in that who's the lead hugo weaver is is the main uh guy you never see his face but natalie portman's in it okay um, right right i i do remember that yeah, so I, I I have to I highly recommend watching it. Um, and you then, sold me. But, yeah, but in movies, I mean, I love A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men, yep. if it's on TV and I sit down and watch it, I gotta see it through. <laughs> well, to all those, we're done with halftime now. With all those people who can't handle the truth about cybersecurity, handle the truth. <laughs> we need to move on and help them experience the truth. That's right. So, Let's do it. Yeah. With that being said. I started in this business roughly three and a half years ago, and I always thought cyber was just a throw-in. It has changed so much, at least maybe it was just me noticing the need for it more, but maybe it is the world changing a little bit. You've been in it for a while. What is 
what have you seen that has changed the outlook? Are people just getting more creative with their attacks? Or is there risks that maybe weren't as much there and weren't as heightened uh, as they were five years ago? So talk about just the the, the constant development and the constant need for cyber mm-hmm. coverage that we're seeing lately, and it is ramping up. So um, I, I've been I've been doing this for 12 years. I've been a wholesale broker, specifically in cyber liability for 12 years. And 12 years ago, it was new. It, it, people really didn't crack. I mean, honestly, the, the biggest exposure 12 years ago was taking a stack of papers and not shredding them and throwing them out in the dumpster and then someone going dumpster diving and getting information off a piece of paper. Right. Like that, that, that was the original cyber breach. The, then um, the pandemic has opened up new doors. So this is why cyber is so big right now. Um, the pandemic has forced people to work from home and needed people to work from home. And people work from home had to get into their system somehow. So they created these online portals that connected employees to get into the systems to start working. Well, these online portals also opened up doors for hackers to get into their system. So not only do now employees can get in the system, but hackers can get into the system. And everybody uses online portals to get into to, to, to work. And in the last two years, we've seen so many people bad actors utilizing these portals to get in now it's a serious concern so we're seeing we're seeing um new security measures being forced to put in place so multi-factor authentication mfa everyone's heard of it it is going to be a requirement and necessity for every company down the road we're still able to get cyber quotes if you don't have it but if you don't have it you should get it and it's going to be a need that everyone's going to have to do and the reason being is because usernames and passwords aren't enough anymore. They're just not enough for a security standpoint. Multi-factor authentication is, and for those that don't know what it is, um, it's a name, you know, you have a username and a password, you put it in, and then after you put it in, then they say, okay, we're gonna send you a code to your phone or your email address, put in the code, and then we'll let you in. So that second step, which you, I'm sure you're already seeing right now. If you go into like your uh, Signa account or your bank account, they, they you know they're gonna say they're gonna send you a code. That second step is such an important factor because it's notifying the actual person that someone's trying to get into your account. Right. Um, you know, hackers going through the portal. If you don't have it, they'll put a username. They'll get a username in, and then they have algorithms that run millions and millions and millions of different password combinations under your username to just find one that hits right. and then they can get into your system. But having that second aspect to it just cuts people off so much. So I think in the last year, that has been such a prevalent security um, request and requirement from all the carriers that we just haven't seen in the past. And it all stems from the pandemic. Wow. Absolutely. <clears throat> it's crazy. Now I, I'm kind of, I want to pivot a little bit because I know we've been beating you up on, um, on cyber uh, but that's not the only area that we're seeing, um, you know, increased risk and, and insurance companies, um, you know, increasing rates. And so you also deal with management liability. What are you seeing in management liability? So, so the, uh, well, I'll, I'll, management liability, I'll, I'll focus on two big areas. The first is directors and officers liability. Yes. 
right? So, so DNO covers board of directors for decisions that they made on behalf of the company. Every company went through the pandemic had to make tough choices from a financial standpoint. You know, their businesses shut down. Where do you allocate funds? Do you go out to get more capital? Do you take a loan out so you can keep your company afloat? And a lot of decisions were had to be made during the pandemic that were that were very tough decisions. DNO policies ensure those decisions. Um, and so we're, we saw the DNO market, it, it was hardening a little bit. The market was soft for a long time and it started to harden. And, and it's still pretty hard. And the reason why it's hard is because a lot of companies had to make tough decisions from a financial standpoint that could impact the company down the road. You know, you took out a huge loan, you can't repay it. You had to shut down a facility that drops the share price. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. So from a DNO side standpoint, if you have a board of directors or if you have any outside investors um, or, or any creditors that, that might be coming after you from like a bank standpoint or, or covenants, I should say, that you uh, long-term debt that, that's going to be coming down the line, I'd highly recommend getting a DNO policy to ensure those decisions. The second aspect I'll talk about is employment practices liability. Mm -hmm. So a lot of companies had to lay people off during the pandemic. They had to let all their sales force or, or whatever you know, force go. So there was a huge wave of um, EPLI claims from laying everybody off all at the same time because of the pandemic. Hmm. Now, as things are reopening, there's a concern of rehiring. So if, you've, if you laid off 100% of your, uh, your staff and you can only hire back 50%, what 50% do you choose, right? If the other, like, who do you choose? Because yep. then the 50% you don't hire, they're going to say, well, you didn't, you didn't rehire me because I'm too old, because of my gender, because of my race, because of my sex. You hired this person um, because they are uh, younger, they're white, they're male. It, it, it could be a number of reasons. Right. So who do you choose to hire back? Right, uh, and, and there was a huge concern. The thing that's kind of um, the caveat to that is that there's such a crazy labor shortage going on right now that a lot of companies will hire anybody that they can. Right, just, right, to, that's to, a problem too. Yeah, you know, to, to to just come in. Yeah. Um. So so we're not seeing that too much, but it's still a concern when of the rehiring process is who do you choose to hire back? So again, though that that's an area of concern from the employment practices side of things. That's right. crazy. That's crazy. Well, hey, we are, since we're running a little bit short here, we have one more question. It's our Hail Mary question, our best play, our best question. We ask everybody to end. In 30 seconds for me, go back to 22-year-old Charlie Sturm. What advice, knowing everything you know now, what advice would you have given yourself? Invest in Apple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amazon. Um, yeah, yeah uh, or Bitcoin. Uh no, a 22-year-old, um, I, I would say hard work and work ethic and don't burn bridges. Don't like that. You know, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how many relationships I've leaned on in the hard market. Um, they need to get things done. And the reason I'm able to get things done and pull rabbits out of a hat is because I have really good relationships and, and I didn't burn bridges. And I would just say, you know, you're not going to realize how important relationships are. Even at the time, you don't think that they're important. They're going to be important for you down the road. So every relationship matters.
that's the first time we've heard that specific part mm-hmm. the not burning bridges but man is that true yeah right that is so true i'm a so. big fan of not burning bridges yes mm-hmm. you don't have to always agree on things you don't always have to you know unless somebody doesn't have to end on a great note but you don't have to go the extra mile to make sure it's burned yeah Exactly. You never know. So, all right, glad to let you take this home. All right. Well, I'd like to, to thank uh, Charlie Stern from uh, Socius Insurance uh, for joining us today and sharing his um, his playbook. Um, until next time, my name's Glenn Amarell. I'm Andy Phillips. Um, until next time, what's in your playbook? Thank you. Thank you.